Well, welcome to the Convene podcast. We're excited to have Sean Dunn uh, coming to us from Colorado today. Sean is the founder and president of Groundwire. You may not have heard of it, but in a while, you're going to be excited about it when we get to share. Sean has worked with youth for over 30 years as a pastor. He began serving in uh, the youth ministry at church. He began traveling full-time, and he started saying, how do we reach the people who don't want to be reached, which is a great question. So he studied the trends, he prayed, he looked at the culture, and an organization called Groundwire was born. Sean, welcome to the Convene podcast. Well, thank you, Greg. Great to uh, great to be here with you. Love Convene, love you. So excited about our time together. Thank you. Well, Sean, belief in God is kind of on the wane. Biblical literacy on the wane. Church attendance down. Uh, in the United States, anyway, not in places like China and Africa, but the Barna surveys say young people are leaving the church. Uh, your work is about having conversations with people who are hurting or seeking. And this is not just a little idea that has got a, you know, 500 people talking to you on some chat site from somebody's bedroom. Millions and millions of people are visiting your websites. There's uh, almost 700,000 professions of faith, 129,000 people you've talked to. And I want to find out more because there could be business leaders talking to their employees and they feel like they're having a foreigner conversation. And I think you're going to help them to be able to understand some of their employees. So uh, let's let's get at it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would also say, Greg, too, that, that we talk to people all the time who are trying to figure out their employees, but also people are trying to find it, figure out their kids and grandkids. There you and go. So there's, there's another application point for what we're going to discuss. That's a great point. I just, uh, uh, in honor of our time together, I was a good guy and I posted on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook today, uh, one, of, one of your uh, websites and um, got your note in the mail yesterday uh, appropriately and uh wow 586 is that million commercials yeah. viewed yeah january through june this year our commercials are seen 586 million times wow all all from uh, a, a small little set of offices in colorado that's pretty amazing so let's let's talk about what do we need to know about how the younger generation thinks if we want to help them move towards faith in Christ? Uh, just enlighten us. Yeah, you know, the first thing that I would recommend that we we need to recognize and realize that a 19-year-old today is very different than the way we were when we were 19. And one of the reasons that we struggle to relate to them is we assume that they know what we know. We assume that they believe what we believe, and they're very different. And um, the, the way... The, the, as you mentioned already, Barna identified the Gen Z, which is high school and young college. He identified them as the first generation in our nation that is truly post-Christian. And by post-Christian, he, uh, you know, only 4% of them have a biblical worldview. And a biblical worldview starts with two concepts. Number one, the Bible's true and Jesus is the only way to get to God. And so only 4% of the young people in our nation have those beliefs. Wow. And what's what's very unique about this generation is that they don't deny God, even though the ones who do are the loudest. So let me kind of just share with you real quickly the way that I frame it is 
on this side, according to the stats, and, and we deal primarily with millennials and Gen Z, but 13% of, of Gen Z and 15% of millennials love Jesus, love church. It's where they find their identity and it's where they find their purpose. On this side, you've got 7% of millennials are atheists and 13% of Gen Zers are atheists. But in the middle, there's this, this um, group of people. I've heard it called the, the movable middle that you can influence the atheist. They don't want to be reached. But we, we actually refer to a word that was created in the Urban Dictionary. The Urban Dictionary came up with a word for a young person. Here's how they define it. It's a young person who believes in God, but ignores him. Wow. And the word that they used was apathyist. Wow. They believe in God, but they ignore him. So when we're dealing with young people, I think it's, it's important to know that they 70%, 71% believe in God, 68% believe in heaven. They believe in God, but they don't do anything. He's not their priority. They're going to get to him when they can. Our opportunity is we don't need to convince them that he's real. We need to stop pounding the table and say, God's real. They believe that. What we need to do is we need to remind them that he's relevant. And he becomes relevant when he becomes personal, when he starts to interact with that piece of their heart that is broken, or they're trying to find purpose. When they discover that, that Christ has a purpose for them, you, you speak that into it. So, But understanding that they're different, that they are apathists, but they're, they're looking for the relevancy of Jesus. They haven't said, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. They're just saying, I don't see a purpose in him yet. Wow, that is a stunning, stunning thought. I, I believe in God, but I ignore him. And uh, I was just talking with a leader this morning for a couple hours in my office, and their own children were that in, in, in that exact spot. And it's, it's rough. Uh, convened leaders are getting together soon in Pennsylvania. And we're bringing, uh, let's see if I can get this right, um, uh, Jody Burnt, who wrote the book, Praying for Your Adult Children. Okay. Yep. Right. And uh, so tell us about your ministry, though. You take a different approach to communicate with these people. Now that we've yeah. identified them, apatheists, how do we reach them? Well, what, what really grabbed my attention was I was building a ministry and I was loving it. And my pride loved it. I was speaking to 150,000 people a year, um, you know, standing on stages with 25, occasionally 50,000. And I loved it. But I started to realize I'm only influencing people that want to be influenced because heathens don't go to Christian events. And so I really started to ask the Lord, how do you reach the ones that don't want to be reached? How do you reach a generation that doesn't want to be in the same room with you? How do you reach a generation that plugs their ears every time you disagree with them and came to realize uh, that it was their media obsession that gave us that opportunity? You know, they 70 percent believe the American church is irrelevant. And I know that we want them to go to church and we, we really want them to get involved and engage with that community. But the point of the matter is that we might not be able to get them to go to church, but we can't get them to put down their phone. And so there's an opportunity there. The same way that as a business owner, if you're selling to a to a 17 or 22 year old, your your best bet is to get get to them through their device. And so that's what we do is we we can communicate, uh, we market to them. Um, we don't communicate a theological point because they're not thinking theologically. They're not even thinking logically. They're thinking emotionally. So they don't wake up and say, "Oh no, I'm going to hell." They wake up and say, "Oh no, I'm going through hell." 
And so when, when we are, our content is set to inter, interrupt that thought, one of our keywords is interruption. We don't invite, we interrupt, but we show up in short segments, another another thing that uh, as adults that we really need to grasp, not that millennials aren't adults, but as older adults, a millennial has a 12 second attention span and Gen Zer has an eight second attention span, which, which makes it a challenge. So our content is literally 12, 15 and 30 seconds long. Anything more doesn't work for us. And so we just, we show them what's going on in their heart and we invite them into a conversation. So 24 hours a day, we have volunteers, just like uh, your business owners, um, just like their wives, just like their, their parents sitting there engaging. They've been trained. And then somebody logs in and says, Hey, I saw this commercial. It said, when life hurts, Jesus cares. Is it true? Please tell me it's true. I need hope. And they'll start a conversation and those people will say, Hey, I, I recognize that I need a relationship with Jesus. It's it's been amazing just to see what what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Wow. So is uh, h- how soon after somebody engages with the platform do they talk to a real person? Uh, as quickly as they want to. Uh, you know, it's like right now. I was looking at the numbers. We're, we're uh, the first eighty-seven percent of our chats are picked up within the first thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. So um, again, the model has to be impulse because they're reaching out on an impulse. They're not going to come back at nine o'clock in the morning on on Monday morning. If they're thinking about, if they want to have a conversation, they want help, they want hope Friday night at three in the morning, we need to be there for them. So um, it's it's a pretty quick process for them. Mm. Wow. So uh, a number of people have heard in the last five years or so uh, from, I guess, Barna about the nuns, not the kind that wear black and white, but the N-O-N-E-S, the nuns. Talk about them. Yeah, it's that's interesting because a lot of people in the Christian community are freaking out about that word. I actually see it as an opportunity. Um, The the reason being is the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, basically it means I haven't decided what I associate with. And uh, it's, it's really a woke word for agnostic. Okay. The difference is when our generation, when we said we were agnostic, we said, I don't know what I believe, but I got to figure it out. Yeah. When they say that they're not associating with anything, that they're a nun, they're saying, I don't know what I believe. And it's okay. That apathy's kicked in. And so I see it as an opportunity because what we're seeing is, as I said earlier, they haven't rejected Jesus. Most of them have never been exposed to him. We get asked questions that prove it very clearly. Like we get asked the questions like, hey, uh, now that I'm a Christian, how much is it going to cost me to go to church? Uh, or they'll say, um, they'll, they'll ask questions like, is there a book I could read about Jesus? Which is, it just blows me away that there's people in our nation that don't even know that the Bible exists. And when our volunteers will bring up the word, you know, have you heard of the Bible? We get two responses. The first response is Bible. I thought that just meant like a a really important book, like the Bible for mechanics. Or the second response we get is Jesus is in the Bible. I mean, doesn't that blow you away that people don't even recognize that Jesus in the Bible? So here they are, they're, uh, they're not associating, they're not addressing, they're not running to the church, they're trying to figure out all of their life, and what they don't know is that Jesus is really what they're looking for, because he meets everything, he checks every box, 
he's he's the one who will love them unconditionally. He's the one who will offer them peace and offer them hope. And but they're not looking to him. And so um, I, I see it as an opportunity because when they discover who Jesus is and all that he offers, they they don't go crazy. They're like, that's amazing. Jesus paid the price for me and they're blown away and they want a relationship with him. Mm. <clears throat> Not that we need to run down every theological trail here, but what would you say, what would your team of volunteers, I'm assuming they're volunteers, say to somebody who said, um, you know, I don't feel like much of a sinner or I, I don't know if the Bible is really true. Are they trained to respond to those questions? They are. Um, you know, it's it's hard to train somebody who doesn't already come with some basic conviction in those areas. But yes, there there is we everybody who becomes an online volunteer force goes through what we call the Groundware Training Academy. Um, they're given the tools, uh, and even even when they're in this. By the way, one of the things I want to clarify is it's not a phone call. Um, that's an old methodology young people don't pick up their phone and put it to their ear they pick up their phone and wear it out with their thumbs and it actually works better because that way you can't hear accents um, you can manage multiple conversations at once if you're if you're on a phone you can talk to one person and so but when when they're on that software where they're communicating with these other individuals um, there's tools on the right hand side. So if somebody wants to come on and talk about abortion, there's actually scriptures and some some videos that they can utilize or push into the conversation. If they want to talk about suicide or if they have theological questions about the Trinity, it's all there uh, for them. So they don't have to be an expert in everything. They just uh, they have to have a willing heart and and know kind of how to have a logical discussion. Wow, that sounds really great. Uh, how many volunteers do you have? Not enough. Not uh, enough is the right answer. Yeah, yeah. No, we uh, what we measure is we measure how many volunteers log in and engage daily. Right now, we're we're measuring we're averaging about 110 a day, and no more than that. About, about probably about 120 a day, and uh, but that's that's grown 70 percent, 71 percent since uh, December of last year. And with our scale, I mean, we last year I, this is a disappointing miracle, Greg. We only saw 192 thousand people come to faith last year. Uh, isn't that sad? Um, wow. by the way, George Barnett says the average church in the U.S. sees one person a year come to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so last year we averaged 527 a day. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this year, we're, we're going to top uh, 300,000 by the middle of September. Mm -hmm. that's, so. a, that's absolutely astonishing. And I know that you would say this is by God's power and his grace and his sovereignty and a whole lot of hard work on your part yeah so well, congratulations well thank you I, I did say earlier that when i was standing on stages i was very prideful and now it's really interesting because you can't be prideful because you can't take credit for it you know that it's god our job is just not to screw it up yeah yeah and i guess there's no applause in cyberspace per se so you can't let it go to your head that way well, uh, so how could a business leader utilize Groundwire? I mean, somebody might be listening in and saying, okay, I love what I'm seeing. In fact, from a giving perspective, that's more than um, 
let's say most local churches in America are experiencing in terms of results, uh, you're helping lots of people. How could maybe I connect in my millennials and Gen Z that work for me to have conversations with you all? Yeah, so we we do have some tools that can be utilized. We we actually have some businesses that uh, that have asked us to private label a chat button to their site, which we can do. So it just looks like, hey, if you ever need prayer, click on this button, or if you ever want to have a spiritual conversation, and it's anonymous, which makes it very attractive to them. They might not walk into their supervisor's office and say, hey, I've been wondering about some things, but they'll get online and they'll do it. And so we've done that, um, you know, from a partnership perspective, one of the things I love is there, there've been a couple of, um, of convene members that have made it available for their team members who wanted to be volunteers to go through the training. And then, you know, a couple hours a week on, during their work week, they gave a couple hours to serve, uh, leading people to Christ on our chat system. So we've done that with multiple partners as well. That's really cool. Uh, I remember in an earlier iteration of a ministry similar to yours, probably 15 years ago, uh, we were doing some work with them at Biola University, where I was there at the time as an employee, and brought the president, Clyde Cook, who's listening to our conversation now from heaven, and I uh, we sat him in front of his laptop, and he was all of a sudden engaged with somebody in another country talking about Jesus, and from that moment on, we connected uh, Biola students sitting in their dorm room uh, with seekers all over the world. So there's a tip for you: call call yeah. call Biola University for volunteers. Yeah. Um, well, any final advice you'd have for somebody who's saying, "My daughter, my son, my grandkids, my office, what what could I do?" Yeah, you know, let me give you one quick tip that we teach our volunteers. Um, we we teach our coaches an acronym to control every conversation. When you want to have a meaningful conversation with some people, like sometimes Thanksgiving doesn't go well. They shut down, you bring up something, you know, and, and I've noticed the older we get, the more direct we are in some of those things. And we need to learn to be a little bit softer. So the acronym that we use is LETS, which stands for listen, encourage or empathize, transition, and then share. Okay. And what we found is that genders tend to gravitate towards one of these and they have to be taught or reminded to do the other females love to listen and encourage but they're never looking for that opportunity to transition therefore they never get to share what's on their heart men tend to just want to share and we don't like to listen and so you know the skill set of just asking the great the right questions in a way that doesn't make them defensive is something that can be learned and, and embraced. And so like when I was traveling, I love standing on stages, but I also love to find kids in food lines. And I would ask them, you know, one on two or one on one or one on three or one on four questions like, what one word would you use to describe your spiritual life? And I would get this incredible insight into who they were and what they were struggling with. I would ask, and I've done this with my kids, I would ask them the questions if you could change one thing about your life, something that's really hard, you could just say, God, make this easier for me. Whether it's a battle I'm fighting or a thought process, just tell me, what is it? You ask your, your grandkids that, or you ask people when you're sitting around the office that, you're going to get uh, an understanding of who they are and, and the way that they view themselves. 
in a way that you can truly come alongside them, then encourage them, and then transition to some of the, those conversations that you want to have. So remember that, L-E-T-S, listen, encourage, or empathize, transition, and then share, and, uh, and, and be intentional. Uh, we did a training, and I had some grandparents say, I've already written down a list of eight questions, and I'm putting them in my drawer, and next time my grandkids come over, I'm going to pull it out. I'm going to be ready to ask them meaningful questions. Uh, the more you ask questions, the, the better the conversations are going to be. Uh, it's they don't want to be entertained. They want to be heard. They don't want to be entertained. They want to be heard. So ask them questions and, and listen to what's going on in their life. I love that. And I think that speaks to uh, a lot of driven type A business owners who are probably wanting to say at Thanksgiving something like, you are going to church, aren't you, Junior? You know, <laughs> which is certainly not listening. It's certainly not empathizing. For those of you who are listening, that haven't heard of Convene, we're about business leaders helping business leaders to work on their business and do it all on a biblical platform. You can find out more about Convene at convenenow.com. And Sean, that reminds me, we should talk about where people can find out about Groundwire. Yeah, um, you know, feel free to contact me directly at sdunn, D-U-N-N, at groundwire.net. Or you can check out our sites. Groundwire.net is a site that's really the brochure for the ministry, but uh, the forward-facing ministries of, are like JesusCares.com, uh, WhenLifeHurts.com, What's the Point? Uh, so those are some of our sites that are that we're using to engage in conversations with millennials and Gen Z all over the nation. Sweet. Uh, well, would you close us out with some prayer for people who are struggling with their kids? Yeah. God, we know that you can relate, <laughs> that you have kids that uh, cause you sadness or that aren't doing the right thing. And so, Lord, our heart is, uh, our, our hearts are sometimes moved because we long for our kids and grandkids and even those people that we love that maybe work with us or that are in our neighborhood. God, we want them to know how good you are and how amazing you are. And we see them causing themselves pain and turning and blaming you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would uh, begin to uh, move on the hearts of some of these young people. God, you've heard the prayers that have been prayed. God, we, we, we anticipate the answers will come. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd give wisdom to everyone of us that wants to have meaningful conversations. Show us how to ask the right questions. Show us how to listen to them. Show us how to make our faith so meaningful and attractive to them that they want what we have, even if they're not listening to what we say. God, I pray um, that you would, in this day and in this season, God, we need to see people turn back to you. God, I pray that the blinders would come off of the eyes. God, I pray that um, the understanding would begin to open up and that these young people would begin to understand that you are the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the one who can heal their heart. You're the one who gives them purpose. You're the one who can give them hope. God, you're the one who meets every need that they have and answers every question that they're asking. So, Lord, would you draw them close? And God, would you, uh, would you, would you start, would you continue something very unique in this generation in our nation? God, more and more people come to you. The harvest is ripe. The gospel is still powerful. And God, you are still good. We love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Sean, and thanks so much for taking time out of your day to be with us at Convene and to talk to executives from coast to coast. We're very grateful. Thank you. I appreciate it very much.